we're going to start in Hebrews chapter 9, just do a little bit of reading there, and then go back to Numbers 19. So if you want to take your Bible and open with me to Hebrews chapter 9, I'm going to read from verse 1 and read quite a few verses here so that we get the New Testament perspective on this before we get into the material that I have, uh, and I've entitled this tonight, The Search for the Red Heifer. The Search for the Red Heifer. So Hebrews chapter 9, and I'll begin reading at verse 1 here in just a moment. But, uh, all right, so we had a good choir practice, and um, things are coming along with the choir, and Beth is whipping us into shape. And she's doing a good job leading it. She It feels like a choir practice. And uh, so we look forward to ministering on Sunday mornings. You pray for us and, uh, and ministering to the Lord in song. We had a great service, I thought, this morning. It was really refreshing to me. Uh, the testimonies, the popcorn testimonies, and all of it all together was just such a blessing. So I praise the Lord for that and uh, also looking forward to what we're going to learn tonight. But beginning in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 1, just allow me to read a, read a few verses here, probably down to 14. Then uh, verily the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle made, the first, wherein was the candlestick and the table And the showbread, which is called the sanctuary, and after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all. So the holy uh, place was described there, and now the holy of holies. Which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna, and Aaron's rod that budded, and the tables of the covenant And over it the cherubims of glory shadowing the mercy seat, of which we cannot now speak particularly. Now when these things were thus ordained, the priests went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. But into the second went the high priest alone, into that holy of holies, where the ark of the covenant was placed, the high priest went alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. The Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing, which was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience, which stood only in meats and drinks and diverse washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. So he described the first tabernacle. Uh, and then from there, you had Solomon's temple. Solomon, the tabernacle was a tent with all the furniture in it. That furniture was placed into Solomon's temple. Solomon's temple is the first temple. Uh, Then you had, after the 
Babylon came in and destroyed the temple, and then the return of the Jews after the Babylonian captivity, you have uh, Ezra rebuilding the temple. That's called the second temple or Herod's temple. Herod didn't build it, uh, Herod up into the time of Christ, but he remodeled it, but they call it Herod's temple. So the first temple being Solomon's, second temple being Herod's temple, uh, built by Ezra, remodeled by Herod. And now what we're looking forward to is the third temple. That's the one that the Jews are preparing to build right now. They have all of the furniture ready. They, they say that they know the location of the ark being buried underneath the temple mount. Uh, there's uh, talk of Solomon uh, providing a, like a, a, a trap door underneath the Holy of Holies to drop the ark of the covenant down. So that when uh, uh, Gentile uh, force came in, when Titus came in, or, or when, the, when the Babylonians came in to conquer Jerusalem, that the ark would be safe and they could drop it into a trapdoor below the temple mount to be kept there hidden and safe from the Gentiles. And they say that they have this ark, so they have everything that they need to build the third temple. So you're going to hear me talk about the third temple, all right? He's describing the tabernacle before the first temple was built. Christ's priesthood is described in verse 11 down through 14. But Christ being come an high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of an heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living and true God. I read that because I want us to know that the sacrifices of the Old Testament of the first covenant, they all pictured and foreshadowed the one great and effectual sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So everything that we talk about tonight is basically a type of what Christ has done for us in this new covenant. I wanted to start there. Uh, now back in Numbers 19... Numbers 19, <clears throat> the search uh, for the red heifer. Numbers 19, this is the uh, chapter that deals with this interesting topic. It's a strange topic. I'll admit that right up front. But uh, it's exciting because... We're, we're looking at the fulfillment of prophecy. I mean, we can, we can turn on our cell phone and we can go to a website and we can watch a video. Somebody shot a video of these red heifers being brought into the Ben Gurum airport. And uh, we can watch this right before our very eyes. Prophecy being fulfilled. You know what that means? Jesus is coming back. Amen. And he's coming back sooner than what we realize. 
Uh, so it's exciting, but at the same time, I admit it is strange. So Numbers chapter 19, verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, This is the ordinance of the law, which the Lord hath commanded, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they bring thee a red heifer without spot, wherein is no blemish, and upon which never came yoke. And ye shall give her unto Eliezer, or Eliezer, excuse me, the priest, that he may bring her forth without the camp, and one shall slay her before his face. And Eliezer the priest shall take of her blood with his finger and sprinkle of her blood directly before the tabernacle of the congregation seven times. And one shall burn the heifer in his sight, her skin and her flesh and her blood. With her dung shall he burn. And the priest shall take the cedar wood and hyssop and scarlet and cast it into the midst of the burning of the heifer. The ritual of the red heifer provided cleansing for those who were defiled uh, by a dead body. And because of the elements needed for this ritual, <coughs> cleansing has been missing since the destruction of the second temple. Now, when was the second temple destroyed? That would be A.D. 70. Titus and his Roman troops coming in and they destroyed the temple in Jerusalem just as Jesus had predicted. You see, when Jesus says something's going to happen, when he prophesies something that's going to happen, it's going to happen right down to the letter, right down to the most minute detail. We believe in an inspiration of the Bible, not just the thoughts and the ideas of the Bible are inspired. No, we believe in jot and tittle inspiration, that every word of God is pure, that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So every word is important. And just what Jesus said, he said that not one stone will be left upon another. And guess what happened? Just like that. Not one stone was left upon another. The temple was destroyed, just like Jesus said. That was the second temple. That was Herod's temple. Ezra reconstructed it after the Babylonian captivity. Herod remodeled it. And so that was the temple that was destroyed. Israel is planning to build the third temple. To do this, they need a red heifer. It's the key. It's the key to this third temple. And uh, they've been looking for a suitable red heifer ever since the destruction of the red temple, of the second temple. So therefore, it's been like 2,000 years that they've been looking for this. And because they, they are missing the red heifer, Israel is ritually unclean. They, they can't cleanse the temple. Uh, they can't cleanse the priests. And they can't cleanse the people without this red heifer. We're going to explain. And we may, we may be nearing the end of a 2,000-year-old search for a cow. For a cow. And it does sound strange. But the day that Beth and I and the family, the day that we were departing from the Ben-Gurion airport, uh, those five red heifers that are candidates to be this to be uh, used for a sacrifice to get the ashes, they were in the airport. They actually arrived the day before 
we were in there. They arrived on Thursday. We were in the airport on Friday. But they were there. And uh, that's just an incredible thing to be, I mean, to be close, that close to prophecy being fulfilled. And they came from a ranch in Texas. So back in July of 2021, a special mission team of rabbis flew from Jerusalem to Texas. And they went to inspect several red heifers belonging to a rancher in Comanche, Texas. Now, I want to tell you up front, I used uh, Israel News, Israel 365 News. That's one outlet, Israel 365 News. If you want to look it up, you can look it up, and I encourage you to. And then there's another news outlet that I used, but that Israel 365 News, I think that's the best one to go to, and you can see this for yourself. The requirements for the red heifer are very detailed, says the rabbis. Uh, First, it must not have any blemishes. This is a huge challenge as most ranchers put ear tags into the animals on the day that they're born. So the rabbis were very encouraged with what they found in, in Texas. Uh, two of the five untagged heifers that they found back in 2021 were extremely close to passing. One heifer, though, had a very small white spot on it. And because of that, it was rejected. It has to be perfect without blemish. Um, the other had some hairs that could be red or could be black. And so it's not a suitable heifer. And the hunt continued. So they were disappointed in 2021. They thought that they had the red heifer. Rabbis from Jerusalem then placed full-page ads in the U.S. in ranching magazines, hoping to find a match. A man by the name of Brian Stinson, a Texas rancher, he read the articles, being a believing uh, Christian, Bible-believing Christian, he started to breed cows for this very purpose. Let's listen to what he says. Quote, I didn't set out to do this, but right now I'm probably the best red heifer hunter in Texas, Byron quipped. The Bible says to bring a red cow to purify Israel. And I may not understand it, but I'm just doing what the Bible said. The prophecies came true and the Jews are back in Israel. Now they need to build a temple. But it's like buying a really nice car. If you don't have the key, you aren't going anywhere. The red heifer is the key to making the temple work like it's supposed to. That's just plain enough for anybody to understand from a Texas rancher. And he said, I think I've got several here that can be used. And so he called up the, the rabbis at the Temple Institute in Jerusalem and, and this other ministry that I'm going to talk about. And, and he said, I think I've got your, your cow. And so they came to Texas to check this out. And they found five of them. Now, something interesting happened. It was uh, what looks like to be providence and the hand of God in this whole matter. Uh, we have these suitable heifers because of COVID, Okay, five past inspection. And uh, listen to what he says about this as I quote further. One of the major difficulties was that the government requires tagging calves right after the birth. The ear tag creates a hole in the calf's ear, a blemish that disqualifies the calf 
for the mitzvah. A mitzvah just means like a precept or a command. That's a, one of the commands in the Old Testament. So uh, the farmer explained that because of COVID, the employee who normally puts the tags into the ears of his cows didn't come to the farm. And therefore, the five calves were born, and they did not have the blemish of the hole in the ear. Isn't that incredible? Um, Okay. Yes. And God said, I got a way around it. If these do turn out to be suitable, we're still waiting to see. But if these do turn out, that'll be just something else, won't it? So uh, five pass inspection were shipped to Ben Gurion Airport. That's where we flew out of in Tel Aviv. And uh, Orthodox believers in Israel believe that the red heifer will bring about world peace. Now, I'm going to get into what they believe and show you what the Bible says about this. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to disagree with what they believe. But, of course, like I read in the New Testament, uh, they don't believe that Jesus was their Messiah. They rejected him. They're still waiting for their Messiah. And our message to them is he has already come. His name is Jesus of Nazareth. And his full name and title is the Lord Jesus Christ. And every knee will bow to him. And every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But you see, they rejected him and they're deceived. And they're waiting for their Messiah. And that is important in what I have to say here. His full name, as I said, is the Lord Jesus Christ. But sadly, the nation of Israel as a whole will accept a false Messiah in the tribulation. They will accept the Antichrist, the man of sin. He will promise world peace. He will feign himself as a friend of Israel, and they are glad to receive Gentile friends of Israel at this time. So they'll buy his lies. And what he'll do is he will allow them to use the ashes of the red heifer to purify the priest, to purify the temple, and to purify the people so that they can worship. So this is what's going to happen. Within the next couple of weeks... They are going to inspect these red heifers. They're going to continue to raise them in Israel because they have to be two years, get this, two years and one day old when they're sacrificed. Very, very specific. The rabbis who went to Texas, they inspected these calves with a magnifying glass because if they found more than two hairs that were not red, they rejected them. If they have two hairs that are black, they will accept it. But more than two, they reject it. But they found five. They bring them over here. They're going to raise these calves. And at the age of two years and one day, if they have one that passes, they will sacrifice this calf. And they will have the ashes that they need to make the water of purification. But let me go on with this. In verses 1 and 2, the Lord makes an ordinance that they would... Select a red heifer without spot. This young female cow must be unblemished and unyoked. That is, 
if it has been used for work, it's not acceptable. So it must not have been used for work. And it must be two years and one day old. Verse 3, And ye shall give her unto Eleazar the priest, that he may bring her forth without the camp. So the, the, the calf, if it's acceptable, will be brought without the camp, without the city wall of Israel. It'll be brought outside of the eastern wall of the Temple Mount, and they have a place on the Mount of Olives that they have reserved to sacrifice this calf. They have it. They purchased it. The Temple Institute, that's a group over there that has reproduced the furniture that we read about in Hebrews chapter 9. All of the instruments needed for the third temple, that is that they have the menorah. I stood in front of this menorah made of gold. Have my picture taken in front of it. They have the altar of incense. They have the table of showbread. By the way, the table of showbread looks different than what you may be thinking it looks like. Uh, they have uh, all of the. They have the olive oil that's made biblically pure. The first biblically pure olive oil in two thousand years. They have it right there. It's ready. They have the priestly garments. They have the instruments for the worship. They have everything that they need, and they say that they have that ark. But listen, they can't use it unless they have this red heifer and the ashes to make this water of purification. But they have plans to sacrifice it on the Mount of Olives. And so this this ministry over there, it's called Bona Israel. If you want to look that up, they have a website. I encourage you to go there and look at their material. B-O-N-E-H. Israel, Bona Israel. It's an organization that seeks to instruct Jewish and non-Jewish people in Bible prophecy and in customs. They have purchased, their foundation has purchased a plot of land on the Mount of Olives, and that's where they intend to sacrifice the red heifer. When that's done, some of the blood will be put into a basin. The priest will take that blood. He will go to purify what he needs to purify. He will come back. They will take the ashes, and they will keep the ashes in the Temple Institute. That's what I assume they're going to do. And so there, therefore, when people come through on the tours, at that time they'll be able to say, here we have the biblically pure olive oil for the menorah, the candlestick, you know. And here we have the ashes of the red heifer. And that's exciting, folks, because that means everything is ready for them to be able to set up that third temple. And... Uh, We'll get to the next part there. But that's exciting stuff. So the Institute, uh, the Temple Institute, uh, working together with this group, they have everything that they need. Verse 6, what is needed to actually sacrifice the red heifer? Uh, They are as follows, an acceptable red heifer. Secondly, they have to have a priest, which they have. Thirdly, only the priest is unclean, you understand. He needs the, the red heifer, the ashes, the water of purification. A cedar branch, that is it says cedar wood. They'll take a cedar branch, they'll take a sprig of hyssop, they'll take a piece of scarlet wool, and they will cast this into the burning red heifer on the pyre, and they will reduce it to ash. And this ash will be collected and put into a container. When they're ready to purify the temple mount, and when they're ready to purify 
the altar of sacrifice and all of this stuff. When they're ready to do that, they'll take the ashes out of the Temple Institute. They will combine it with spring water from a pool that they guard in Jerusalem. They guard this pool of spring water, and they will mix those together, and that will be used to purify everything. If they don't have that, they can't do it. It's just like that Texas rancher said. If you don't have the key, it doesn't matter how pretty your car is or how fast it is. If you don't have that key, you're not going anywhere. Well, it doesn't matter all those things that they have in the Temple Institute. If they don't have this key, they can't use them because they're ritually unclean. Now, when the ashes are reduced, as I said, they'll use that and combine that with the water, and that's called the water of separation in your Bible. But, verse 9, until they do this, all of Israel is ritually unclean. A man that is clean shall gather up the ashes of the heifer and lay them up without the camp in a clean place, and it shall be kept for the congregation of the children of Israel for a water of separation It is a purification for sin. So therefore, they are ritually impure. According to Bona Israel, an organization that seeks to educate us, quote, from the time of Moses, who personally prepared the first heifer until the destruction of the temple, only nine red heifers were prepared. This is interesting. Only nine have ever been found. They are extremely rare. It gets deeper. According to Hebrew tradition, there will only be 10 before the end of the world. There will only be 10. They think they've found the 10th. And they count their years. Their years date different than ours. 5,783 is where they will be when they sacrifice this red heifer, if that is what we have. And they they call that the year of the redemption of the red heifer. And they say that when the tenth red heifer is sacrificed, and when the third temple is erected, they say that this will bring about world peace. Now, they've started websites to try to educate people, to tell people all over the world, look for a red heifer. Just look it up. It's there. Look for the red heifer. They put out full-page ads in in magazines for ranchers to see, and a guy in Texas saw it and started breeding, and you know he's going to make money on it, you know. So there is something for him. And they found this, and it it is prophecy coming to pass, but it's not going to happen the way that they think it's going to happen. You understand There are Christians who say, look, Israel believes in prophecy. We believe in prophecy. They say, look, Israel believes the Bible. We believe the Bible. And they say, Israel believes that the Messiah is going to come. Well, that's what we believe. We believe Jesus is coming back. But it's two different things. Let me try uh, to explain There's a grave warning in verse 20. But the man that shall be unclean and shall not purify himself, that soul shall be cut off from among the congregation because he hath defiled the sanctuary of the Lord. The water of separation hath not been sprinkled upon him. He is unclean. That describes the situation of Israel only They're unclean, not by choice, like this man, rebelling against the commandment, and therefore 
being cut off from his people, meaning he's cut off from salvation. This man dies and goes to hell. They are ritually unclean, but it's, it's because right now the Temple Mount is occupied by the Muslims. The Dome of the Rock sits there, which is not a mosque. It's just a place of prayer. It's a sanctuary. But there is a mosque that sits there on the temple off to the side that is not gold-colored. And it's occupied by Gentiles. They, they can't get up on the mount. They, they, they go to the western wall, the Wailing Wall, because they're mourning the fact that they can't get on the temple mount. They're sad because they can't build the temple. They're sad because they, they can't worship God according to their book. They're sad because they can't obey the commands of God. They're unclean, but it's not by their choice. You see, they want to be clean. And so they wail at that wall. They, they pray and they bob back and forth. And they're praying. You know what they're praying for? They're praying that their Messiah would come. Because they believe, and the Bible says it, that's why they believe it, that the Messiah will allow them to use the red heifer, the ashes. They, they're going to keep them in store because they know that they can't use it until the Messiah gives them the go-ahead to build the temple and to use the water of purification. That's what they're waiting on. That's what they believe about prophecy. And so I went there and I put my hand on that wall and respectfully put that thing on, on my head, you know. Uh, and I put my hand on that wall and you know what I prayed for? Prayed for the peace of Jerusalem. And I prayed for the Lord to come back. And I prayed for the remnant of Israel that will go through the tribulation. And I prayed for their protection. I prayed for people to be saved throughout the tribulation. I prayed that God would give them peace now in this time that they live in with their enemies. I mean, old Jerusalem, the quarter of it's Muslim and the other quarter is, is Jewish. And there's tension in the air, uh, a friend of mine visited Israel, and he was there during Ramadan. And he was on the, on the Temple Mount, and he was uh, at the Western Wall. And when the Muslims come out of their mosques, they're not coming out and just, you know, filled with the joy of the Lord. No, they're coming out, and they're ready to kill. They're mad. They're angry. And they wanna, they, they're going to bring in their kingdom, and it's a different way. They're going to do it through jihad, through violence, and through forced submission. So he said when they came out of their mosque during Ramadan and there we were, he said it just it got real uncomfortable and you could cut the air with with a knife. And so they're wailing. They, they want their Messiah to come. But here, here's the deal, folks. <clears throat> the man that's going to come is going to be the Antichrist. And he's going to, to deceive many and they're going to accept him as their Messiah and he's going to make a peace compact, a peace treaty with Israel, and somehow get the Jews and the Muslims together and, and give them permission to put their uh, temple up on that, mount, on that mount and give them the permission, the go-ahead, to use the ashes of the red heifer and to begin to purify. And for three and a half years, they will have peace and they will be able to worship in their temple. The church will be long gone by this time, Jesus will have taken us away. And at the end of three and a half years, the Antichrist is going to break his promise. 
his contract with Israel, and he will desecrate that third temple. That's the future of the third temple. It will be desecrated. When Jesus comes back at the end of the tribulation, do you think he's going to use things that are defiled by the Antichrist? I just don't think so. I think he's going to make it all new. There will be a temple in the millennium, and I suppose it will be the fourth temple in the millennium. There will be sacrifices. All of them will point back to Jesus Christ. And on that day, the remnant of Israel will read Hebrews 9. Now, now maybe they won't actually be reading it, but they will know that Hebrews 9, I assume they would read it, they'll know that that's the truth. That we are made pure through the blood of the Lamb. Pure through the blood of Jesus Christ. Would you turn with me to one place? 1 John chapter 1, uh, verse 7. <clears throat> now, uh, to kind of recap, because that's a lot of information. Do you know that there was a time <clears throat> when faithful preachers of the word, men who followed Bible prophecy and they looked to the signs of the times and they, they, they saw in their Bible that prophecy was yet to be fulfilled, that, that Israel was not in the land. And there were many Bible teachers in the 1800s, in the early 1900s, many Bible teachers who predicted and said to the church in general at large, that the Jews must come back to their land. And people laughed. Some of them did. People scorned. Some said, God's all done with the Jews. We're the new Israel. He's done with that. None of that's fulfilled literally. It's all spiritualized in the Old Testament. It's all fulfilled in the church. <clears throat> and those prophecy teachers, being dispensational and being Bible literalists, said, no, the Jews have to be back in the land. If not, two-thirds of the prophecies of the Old Testament are left unfulfilled. And they'd say things like, Jesus said the temple would be destroyed. And guess what? The temple was destroyed. God said this would happen, and it did happen. And prophecy will be fulfilled literally. And a bunch of those Christians had to eat their words in 1948 when Israel became a state again. And Israel, ever since, has just been coming back to the land. When we rode on that Boeing 787, that thing was jam-packed. You couldn't get a seat, I don't suppose. That thing was packed both ways. People going to Israel. Prophecy is being fulfilled, and you and I, uh, I think we might just have to have a celebration if this is actually an acceptable red heifer. That's exciting stuff. I tell you, Jesus is coming back soon. He's coming back soon. What are you going to do with the rest of your life? What if he comes back tonight? It could be tonight. It could be on September 25th. It could be the Feast of Tabernacles. What if he comes back and he comes back in 10 years? We just don't know. We can't set dates. But what if it's... What if the Jewish calendar, you know, at 6,000 years, Jesus comes back on the Jewish calendar? We just don't know. But what if you only have, what if you and I only have until 2030 or 2033? I mean, just think about it. What are you going to do with the rest of the time that the Lord gives you to serve him in the church age? 
Think about the folks that are going to go through the tribulation. Just as Jesus said, the Jews will be in the land. They're in the land. Just as Jesus said, there will be a temple. There will be sacrifices in, in, the, in the tribulation. Matthew 24 and 25. Guess what? They're ready to set up the temple. Just as Jesus said, you need this red heifer. Nine red heifers have been found in the history of Israel. They're rare. They think they have the tenth one. I mean, that ought to shake you up. That ought to move us. But what does this all point to? All glory, honor, and praise be to the Lord Jesus Christ. It has to point to him. So let's look at a practical thing for us and just remember this. In 1 John chapter 1, remember that that red heifer being sacrificed and providing for the sanctification of the people, and without it, that man goes to hell that refuses to obey that ordinance. Remembering that in verse 8. 1 John chapter 1, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. All right, Lord, I admit I'm a sinner. I admit I sin against you in thought, word, and deed. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How can it be? How can it be that I could live 70, 80 years and the Lord just keep on forgiving me and cleansing me? We're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise and the blood of Jesus Christ never loses its power. It will have its power throughout the tribulation. It will have its power throughout the millennium, through the rest of time. The blood of Jesus Christ. Look, if a man in the Old Testament could go to the priest and say, I'm unclean. And the priest say, okay, I'll use this water of purification and sprinkle it on you and sprinkle it on your house and your things. And then according to God's word, you are now clean. Well, listen, how much better is Jesus Christ and his blood than the blood of bulls and goats? And he said, if you confess it. He will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If we, I like that word all. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Look at this one more thing. You know, when I was over there in Israel, I suppose I'm going to talk about it a lot. And please forgive me. I'm not bragging. I don't mean it that way. I really am not. Um, I think everybody should go that can. But if you can't go, like I said, you got it all right here. You really do. But when I was over there, I just happened to be reading through 1 John. And you know what I read? Uh, Look at verse 18 of chapter 2. I'll stop here, okay? Verse 18 of chapter 2. Little children, it is the last time. As ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. He's talking about people that were with him, Jews that professed to believe, and then left the fellowship of the church. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. Look at verse 22. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. And I thought about it. I'm walking the streets of Jerusalem and I'm seeing Jewish men. They're dressed like me, actually. This is how they, the Orthodox Jews, white and black. 
and they have their shirt on with the little uh, things, I forget what they're called, uh, the strings that hang down from them. They're, they help them to pray. And they're walking around me everywhere, and, and it's like God wanted to show me, wanted to remind me. It's, it's not a pretty picture, but they're liars. They deny Jesus Christ. Some Muslim men would pass by, women covered up with tablecloths and scarves wrapped around their heads. And they'd walk by, and the Lord would say, they're Antichrist. Doesn't mean they can't be saved, but they're, they're liars, and they're Antichrist. Look, he says, he is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. You tell one of the Muslims, God had a son, his name is Jesus He stands ready to save you right now. Bow the knee to him as Lord. Confess him as your Savior. Well, they're ready to cut your head off if they're serious about what they believe. You try that on Ramadan, see what happens. From what my friend was saying, the Bible says that they're liars and they're antichrist. What does that mean? Well, Peter and John went everywhere preaching the gospel. Those that believed were saved. He that hath the Son of God hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. So being over there in Israel was exciting. But listen, they don't have a corner on the truth. I don't need a Jewish rabbi to explain the Bible to me. I've got the revelation. I've got the end of the book. Amen? And if if you got a Bible... You got the end of the book. You got everything that God wanted you to have. Amen. And we're just looking forward to it all being fulfilled. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this study tonight. And God, having said those things, they don't roll easily off of my tongue. Lord, those are your people. They are the apple of your eye. 